Welcome to Books in the Fraser, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by author Adam Caesar to talk about his new audiobook, Influencer, and the genre, question mark, I guess, of true crime horror. We will talk about it. I've been wanting to talk about it, so I am excited. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me back, Stephanie. This is so wonderful. God, we were just talking about it. You were on in like 2020. So it has been a minute. It has been a long time. The world's a very different place. I've kept up with the show. I've kept up with TikTok. So I know everything's going well in the Stephanie sphere. So that's good. I hope. Um, I saw your cover reveal for Clown in the Cornfields 3. Yeah. And it is intense. But I love it. Yeah. Okay. It looks good. I mean, a little bit of religious trauma. I was going to say it's giving Uh, religious trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, which I hope is like, I know that's part of your, uh, your, your, your background. And, uh, (laughs) um, yeah, if I feel like if it passes the Stephanie sniff test, then it's going to, it's a good cover. And, uh, if, for those who don't know, it's, it's called clown in the cornfield three colon, the church of friendo. And the cover is just a very innocuous, um, scarecrow. With nothing, no hidden alternative uh, imagery at all, uh, and the square crow is wearing a clown mask, and that's it. That's it. You'll just have to look at it. You'll have to look it up and see. <laughs> but you also released an audiobook through Audible yes. this month. So tell us about Influencer. It's such a weird thing to be like, oh, I have multiple things to promote, and one of them, you know, one of them isn't out for like another year, but I still feel like I'm in like clown three mode. Um, and then this this book kind of just snuck out like this was a this was a scramble to try to be on podcasts to promote it. But um, yeah, it's a it's a it's an Audible original. Um, and I think when a lot of people think that or hear that, because Audible has kind of had a, all kinds of different strategies to how they release um, books and how they release uh, quote unquote content. Um, but I think my we sold this book as um, as a novel partial. Um, so it began life as a book, book, book. Um, okay. And I think that was my main um, kind of point of, not contention, but like point of concern when I like started, when I started meeting with Audible and they were, they expressed interest in it and um, were becoming very clearly like a good partner uh, to put this book out with. That was my main concern is like when we were in meetings and talking about it, I wanted to talk about it like a book. I didn't want to I was like, oh, you're not going to chop it up and put it in podcast episodes, right? You're not going to like, you know, it's not going to be an audio play, right? And it's like, no, 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 it's a book, Adam, it's a book. So like, I, just because I'm very, um, I don't know, people have listened to me talk for 15 seconds now. They know I'm neurotic. Um, so like, I, I just, I, 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 it's a, it is a book about the, the pitch, the elevator pitch was, um, it's YA American Psycho meets YA Silence of the Lambs. Uh, okay. And you, you hear that pitch and you're like, Okay, I kind of get what that is, but then you dig a little deeper, and it is—it's um, narrated by two separate narrators. Um, uh, it is uh, Isabella Merced um, for the upcoming Madam Web that was just—they uh, just announced that, and she's in the, the Fede Alvarez, uh, the new new version of Alien, not a remake, uh, some kind of separate Alien movie. They just called Alien for some reason. Because that's what you do with horror sequels that are distant enough—is you don't remake them; you just call them the same thing. Which is not confusing at all when you're trying to Google exactly. it later. <laughs> 2024's Alien. There we go. Um, and uh, the other half of the book is narrated by Christopher Briney uh, from The Summer I Turned Pretty. Yeah. Um, and some other stuff. He's in the new Mean Girls movie. Um, so they, they 
that was kind of part of the appeal for Audible was like, okay, this is a split narrative and we can cast two different um, actors and voice actors um, and narrators to, to read the book. And there's a, there's a special um, Brittany Presley plays. Uh, she just gets one chapter, but she's wonderful in it. Um, her character's it's not around chapter. for long. It's a very good chapter. It's the best. I, to me, it's the best chapter. Um, but um, yeah, so there's, there's kind of, there's three narrators. One's only one chapter, but the, the, the book's a split narrative. And like one half of that book is you're getting basically you're almost, for lack of a better term, like a teenage Patrick Bateman. I don't yeah. think he really is that. Like I think it's it's kind of an easy go to for like point of reference. But I don't. Uh, he is this volunteered sociopath, psychopath that wants to kind of be the next Charles Manson, and he's also like an Instagram poet. So we got his perspective as he basically gains followers. Um, both online and in uh, high school, because he's in high school. Um, and then the the opposing POV is basically our um, our teenage Clarice Starling, who is who is the person in the school that sees right through this guy immediately and is like, oh, this he's a problem. And how how they're uh, throughout the whole the whole book. Um, so that's 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 influencer in a nutshell. Um, it is. Uh, horrifically violent. It is much. It is much meaner uh, than uh, if you like the Clown in the Cornfield books. Um, I like to think of these as as, as tonally very different and and different um, types of violence, which I think is something we're going to talk about in our discussion. Where there's this idea of like true to life violence and 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 the banality of of evil and 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 the idea of serial killers and people like that. And then there is the slasher, like the Clown in the Cornfield. Those are slasher books, and the slasher is, a, is an endemically filmic genre. There is yeah. no kind of such thing as a slasher, and it's it already puts that distance between the audience and expectation and and what and how you consume the violence that happens in the books. So that's that was a deliberate choice right from the beginning, and I think all the true crime stuff came in later that we're probably going to talk about. Yeah, that. yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so after you did the deal with audible did you go back and change anything for the audio medium from the novel like were there things where you went back and made tweaks i it was it was actually sold on a partial so like i i did like soup to nuts kind of change like i rewrote what i had and what i had sold them basically to be like knowing in my mind okay we're switching off narrators we can do certain things with pov and like in perspective and stuff like that so it's it's it was kind of built built to order for audible in a certain way um and then in some ways not at all like the the story itself was exactly mm-hmm. like I, the outline that led i kind of sold them on is 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 almost exactly what the published book became um the the how was different and then there then i had my editor's expe- expertise where she's this kind of genius editor and has been working in audio for a while she was she was um produced a lot of hits that weren't audible only and then kind of came over to audible and i feel like has like a real knowledge of how to accentuate moments in audio the book is not an audio play but there's like moments of music there's moments of sound effects and they're Mm -hmm. very they're used very very sparingly and i've i've gotten like kind of weird critique and blowback where there's like gunshots in the book where people it's it is not a um an audio play so people are not expecting there to be gunshots where there are gunshots and it kind of like scares people which is great it's like a great thing to hear um sorry that you sorry that you got scared but <laughs> you are reading a horror book um 
so like just little things like that where which was which was 100% her 100% my editor just being like oh I know how to do this stuff and she would put little like my drafts would come back it would just be like bracketed sections where it was like muffled gunshot you know interesting car you know breaking glass school bell like you know it's a high school book so like the idea that you can use like a school bell the transition between like sequences is like yeah that is helpful yeah i imagine it must have been i mean a task but also kind of fun to get to fully be in the sociopathic pov and then also be the foil the one that sees right through it i don't know it's it's like the people go on like the it's the typical it's like the writer meme on facebook of like of like the coffee mug that says like don't piss off the writer they'll kill you in their next book it's like i like i never i never i never i never 100% um kind of cotton to that cuz i do think it's like okay well it's no it's fiction don't don't be planning to kill people like don't be even threatening to like you know, like but there is like there it's so funny how these two characters are just different aspects of me and I said that to my editor, and he thought I was being like highfalutin, or like, like, a, or like I, th- or I said that one to the, one of the producers, not to the editor. The editor, she, she didn't, she would never make fun of me. Uh, but I said it was one of the producers, and he, he, he thought I was like kind of joking with him, and I, and I was like, no, like it's, it's like a, it's a, someone who is desperate for an, a, an audience, someone who has to think about social media in an almost business like way, which is, I have to do that. You've mm-hmm. seen videos of me being foolish, like to try to get people to pay attention to books. Like that's, that's, that's a hundred percent what it is to be a, a modern writer. So I have that section, that part of Aaron is, is very much me. Um, and then I have Crystal who is just like, it was me in high school, uh, neurotic to the point where you have a friend group and you're, you're almost worried that your friends aren't your friends. Like you're such a paranoiac and you're so, you're so unsure and so uncomfortable with your, with your own skin and your own body that like you think, kind of it's it goes beyond like everyone's out to get you it's like everyone who loves me is apathetic which is like a a horrible feeling to feel and i've never really had occasion to have a a character like that um and i was just like kind of like i don't know i've written three or four ya books at this point and it was just a, a type of high school character that i really hadn't had occasion to because you have you have her balanced out with aaron who's so confident overconfident he's just yeah. he, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room but like a character tells him he's actually like maybe like the third smartest guy in the room at all times so like so he thinks he's this like criminal genius but he's like leaving a ton of like physical evidence and stuff like that he's not actually that good at what he does yeah um which is i think is funny to me because i think we'll talk about this with true crime but because i think a lot of these guys are doofuses like yes. um like so like there's that character who's so confident and then I was able to go further the other direction of like that lack of confidence with Crystal where something like in the clown books wouldn't really fit like Quinn needs to be a certain level of competency competency yeah, level and final and, girl and competence self, exactly like self-awareness and, and self-preparedness um where Crystal's allowed to not be that and I, I so it's really like you said like it must be fun writing these characters but it was like it wasn't fun reading crystal because i was like all right let's remember like your lowest point from high school and, like, let's how... pull out our <laughs> diary exactly yeah like how like how crappy was it to like have to ask for a prom date like oh let's figure it out like like <laughs> so i had that like literally like with... i really liked them and i i mean i guess yeah we'll talk about it when we get more into the true crime stuff but i do like yeah this idea that we're in his mind and he just absolutely thinks he's this criminal mastermind and 
like even within the narrative he is not and he gets dressed down by one to two characters in satisfying ways to me that's where he's different from like a um a patrick bateman like patrick bateman is is ridiculous in his own way and that that book has the brett easton ellis book has kind of like comedy in its own way and the and the and the um the mary heron film has like comedy in its own way in a different way and the world he inhabits is very ridiculous like a lot of the comedy in american psycho comes from the fact that he's like constantly finding les miserables like playbills and stuff like that like little like almost uh absurdist things like the world in, in influence is very much not broken like aaron is seeing the world the way it is mm-hmm. but he's just yeah. he thinks he has more mastery of it than he does is, is yeah. the way i would describe him um, and I think Chris Briney's like performance is like pretty spot on. Like I, I, it's yeah, it's weird to talk about that. Like I don't get to talk about that with a lot of other books, but it's like I think performance is a big element of this. Um, yeah. And Isabel Merced is, is is wonderful. She's got such a great voice and reads so well. Um, these 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 very neurotic passages. <laughs> I did watch a few episodes of The Summer I Turned Pretty, and uh, when you showed the casting, I'm like, yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's. I guess I'm showing my, um, my age and the fact that I only watch movies. So, like, when they were like, "Oh, Chris Pratt," they were like, "Oh, it's a huge get," and I was like, I had to like look him up. And I was like, "Oh, perfect." Like, I like literally looked at one picture and I was like, "Perfect." <laughs> it's funny because I actually like really love like YA like romance series, and I started watching it, and I'm like. Am I too old for this now? Like this love triangle. Fan, I want to say, yeah, I want to. I've since become a fan. I, yeah. I just, I just mean at the beginning. I, I uh, yeah. but yeah, I don't think, I don't think we're too old. For, I think every like looking at looking online at the people who are sharing the book and are super pumped. Mm. It's not, it's not. It is a wide spectrum of age and gender and everyone uh, loving this. So it's a phenomenon. Yeah. What role did true crime play in the writing process? So interestingly, because that was the way I pitched the book that, that idea of like, you know, basically like two books that became two movies. And that's how I, you know, that's how I, I approached pitching it and very quickly writing it. It had become, there's that passage where Aaron basically says like, I don't want to be like these, I don't like people who are fans of true crime. He basically goes on this little rant about how he doesn't like people who are fans of true crime, which is one of those things where, sometimes characters don't say what they mean like sometimes where he's like he is he constantly slips and when he thinks about charlie's charles manson he calls him charlie like he clearly is like a, a fan of true crime and someone who who ingests a lot of podcasts and audiobooks and books and and, and and documentaries about this stuff and he clearly has a little bit of hero worship going on with these people um even though he thinks he's better than them so one, once i kind of riffed that aspect of the character it became such a foundational part of not only the character but the book itself and how i was like oh well it's audio and this again this is where like the plot was remained exactly the same once we knew it was going to be an audiobook but like almost everything else around it became like the themes became deeper everything all these like motifs kind of started jumping out where i was like oh well you know how i listen to true crime stuff is all is all audio like like it's all podcasts and audiobooks and stuff like that so I'm like oh i bet a lot of readers are going to have that same experience. So let's layer in as much true crime as we can. And he knows all these different facts about um, not only serial killers, but cult leaders too, because he's, he's kind of using them and the way that you um, 
you can build a fan base or you can build like yeah. a um, like he uses different terms like love bombing and and all these and, and all different conditioning terms that you would use um, okay. to to kind of get your followers to do what you want them to do because that's a whole kind of subplot of the book where he's he has Crystal and her friends in his sights pretty directly but at the same time there's all this other stuff going on at the margins where he's like basically sliding into people's DMs across the nation and getting them to do stuff um, and. I really like I'm fascinated by that section of true crime. I'm I'm fascinated by like Heaven's Gate and yeah. all these different uh, uh, uh all these different um uh, cult stories. Um and I wanted him to have that background. So it really just became when I was writing the first clown in the cornfield I watched dozens and dozens and dozens of slasher movies like um slashers I'd seen before and slashers that I'd never seen before. Like I just kind of wanted to immerse myself um and I only really did it for that one. Like on, on book two, I was like, oh, I'm going to do, I didn't watch slasher sequels. And it didn't really, like, it didn't hold because I didn't need to enmesh myself in it because it had become its own thing by that point. Um, but this, I really was like, I, uh, I listened to, I re-listened to Helter Skelter and I listened to um, Chaos, um, the, uh, the book by, I wrote it down. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Tom O'Neill, um, and it was just—it was just this—it's this kind of counterpoint, um, pushing back on a lot of the facts in Helter Skelter. Oh, um, interesting. And, and and it's it's basically like it brings in the CIA and all this different stuff and MK Ultra and it's, it's which sounds very conspiracy minded, but when it's laid out in a certain way, you're like, well, Helter Skelter is actually a little bit far fetched, and it's being told by Vincent Bugliosi, who is the prosecuting attorney. It's like definitely like a the victor cuts mm-hmm. to write the history book kind mm-hmm. of thing like so like i i had all this going on and i was doing all this kind of research that just became little little throwaway factoids in the book and mm-hmm. while the book was kind of asking questions about that those types of violence we talked about where it's like okay well what there's there's this constant debate in true crime and in horror fiction where is it okay to like where is it okay to enjoy stories about violence where is it okay to enjoy stories about abuse where is it okay to like glorify for lack of a better term these these stories and are you centering the victims and there's there's all these kinds of discussions are in these in these circles already and i kind of wanted that to be part of what the book's about even though it's not really what it's about if that makes sense um so that's it's it's all it's all tied up it's all mess you know (laughs) I feel like, yeah, if you're touching on true crime, I think in the modern day, you're going to have to talk about the ethics of yeah. true crime. I think that's just something as a society we're looking back on and looking into a little more. And it's also just such a prevalent part of the culture. Like, I feel like maybe I've seen this in like, young adult novels more, but I feel like true crime as a genre, as a, as a presence, as a being in this age of information almost always has to be acknowledged in some way like in this horror novel where all these like horrible things are happening someone's gonna make a joke about like being on dateline or like being on a murder podcast exactly and it's it's like it's such a huge part of the culture and it's such a um if you're if you're if your book's trying to react like reflect reality at all which which i don't think you'd necessarily have to do but i think in a in a book like this where it's it's ostensibly set in the real world you kind of 
you kind of do. You have a, like a, a somewhat of a responsibility, but also it's it's not so much a responsibility where it's just like an inevitability um, to talk about it. And it just so happens that like we have one character who's more interested than your average, um, yeah, you know, than your average person in this stuff. It is interesting, yeah, to think about horror and true crime and how they like intersect in all the different ways. And I mean, like we use horror and the horror genre as a way to like process the horrors of humanity and like the evils we see around us and I guess how the influence of true crime and how it relates to that like when you're talking about real things that have actually happened and even even like setting up this podcast even like us going back and forth in emails and dms and saying and basically saying like oh like true crime horror and we like we showed each other our lists of of movies and 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 books and I had completely misunderstood what we were even talking about with true crime heart, which I think leads to an interesting discussion where it's like, there's actually like, there's what, it, what you even think of when you think of the overlap of true crime and horror is such a spectrum. There's mm-hmm. stuff that is, there's stuff that is almost procedural. There's stuff that is, that is based on this, that is serial killer biopics. Um, if you're talking about movies, like, um, like movies that are based on the lives of Jeffrey Dahmer, Ed Gein, stuff like that, which is unquantified, like a hundred percent is, uh, those are that's true crime horror. Yeah, you would say, but then you have stuff like, okay, so the furthest afield I can think is maybe, um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is which is no matter no matter you know you see it you watch the opening scroll you have the you know the John Larroquette talking to you about this this case that happened and it's presented as if it's real. And then you look into it and it's like, no, it's not real at all. Sally Hardesty and her and her friends and her her brother didn't go missing. Like that's not that's not true at all. And but then then you get people that push that want to, you know, sound super informed and push back on you and say, well, it's actually based on Ed Gein. And then you look into the case of Ed Gein and you're like, no, it's not like like, like, (laughs) maybe like like some slight taxidermy stuff and some and some some secluded, you know, uh, that basically all it has to do with Ed Gein is arts and crafts. Like, so like, so, so, and yet I would still put that on this spectrum of, you know, of, of true crime horror where, you know, yes, Ed Gein was, 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 you know, a point of inspiration, but so was he for Psycho. And, you know, you couldn't have two more different movies than two more different horror movies than Psycho and and, and Texas Chainsaw. They're very different. Um, And yet they still have that same point of like same kernel of truth of quote unquote true crime, um, which I don't. And it's like, well, at what point does that become marketing hokum? Cause I remember, I remember as a kid, I remember, I don't remember quite what year it came. It was it 2000 that the, the remake of Texas Chainsaw came out and 2003. Yeah. That, that sounds more correct. That sounds more correct. Um, that's you're hundred percent right. It's gotta be that. Um, but it was, I remember being in middle school or high school or whatever it was. And I remember friends I'd seen, you know, Texas Chainsaw by that point, but I remember friends like coming in and after having seen like the trailer being like, can you believe it's based on a true story? And having like, even then, like, I was like, what, like 15 having to be like, no, it's not, (laughs) but it's, it's still that marketing. It's, 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 it's marketing juice at that point. The idea of like, oh, this is, this really happened. Like, I remember that with the strangers. Oh yeah. Cause that's also set up as a true story which i have no i don't even know the background in the strangers is there is any of that true or is it like i remember i wikipedia it and it was like a girl came home and found her parents murdered in like an apparent home invasion murder that seems like senseless and unexplainable 
but it's like the whole narrative of this. That could like, be, yeah, they could be anything. Like they yeah. just kind of added this, like because you were home. Yeah, yeah, which is terrifying. Just, uh, but... a terrific line, but it's. Yeah. But again, it's that. It's like it's a little thing. You kind of ran with it and made yeah. it a whole yeah. other it's thing. A, it's it's marketing at that point more than anything. And I think that yeah. so I think that's the one side of the spectrum, and then all the other way on the other side of the spectrum is basically like you know docudrama or. Or fictionalized true crime, which which we'll talk about when we talk about, I guess, some of our books. Um, yeah, I've, I've picked a few that I think are, are that. Because um, I went through and picked one that is based on a true crime case too, so we'll have a little bit. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> a bit of a... mine are more, yeah, like Scream and looking at um, Gail Weathers' book and the Woodsboro Murders and like what it spawns from there and like kind of looking at that or Tragedy Girls and kind of like looking at this like culture of being into true crime like books about that again that's a that's an even i guess that's on the spectrum it's more towards the middle of the spectrum yeah. where it's that idea of like a fiction that uses true crime as like a jumping off point which is which mm-hmm. like or just the idea of true crime itself as a as a, as a plot point which is really right. where influencer falls so for, influencer yeah. is somewhere in the middle yeah. um you know it, and it's you know it, it's asking mm-hmm. secondary questions about this kind of stuff but it's not it's not the main Thing, yeah you know like and i think that's tragedy girl is a good example of that and scream is interesting because it scream has all the meta elements and yeah and it's scream it's like well what's more meta than like no if this if this stuff did happen in real life you would write a book about it and there would be a bunch mm-hmm. of tell tell uh you know mm-hmm. telemovies about it um which is something which is something i did um because it because scream made it a thing that you do in slashers is something that i did in the clown in the cornfield books but i don't like it's those are so many steps removed from what we're talking about. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? Like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I guess, did you want to mention uh, your two movies? Because I guess I already mentioned my two. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we did. Okay, so we talked about... Okay, so these will be our... This is officially our movie section. Yeah, um, yeah so I talked about Chex's Chainsaw, which I think... Uh, that's enough said there. Um, and then I think something like Man Bites Dog, or we were even... We were talking a, bit, a little bit off mic beforehand about... Um, where Man Bites Dog meets up against um, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. This idea of like cinema verite or docu- fake documentary mm-hmm. about a character in a movie who's, you know, like, like claiming to be a serial killer. And then you have like that break into the first act where you're like, oh, he really is a serial killer. And then mm-hmm. things like spiral from there. So like there's that, there's, there's that, which is which adds the documentary format into it, which is a, a very true crimey format anyway. Like, look at Netflix; it's like half of Netflix. Well, my algorithm's all weird now because we have a baby, but it's like yeah, half it's half kids shows and then half like the missing foot of Connecticut, you know, like things like that. Um, <laughs> um, and then I was thinking, I, th- I found I thought of a very interesting one in that um, I, th- I think it's widely regarded as one of the m- most um, disturbing serial killer movies of all time, Hen- Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, mm-hmm. which I think is is really interesting because at the time, I'm pretty sure at the time, I don't know the order of operations here, but at the time, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer came out. It's based on the on the re- purported crimes yeah. of Henry Lee Lucas, um, and it's just this very brutal um, him and Otis Tool, Otis, yeah, uh, the, the the not character, real life guy's name. Um, but it's it's based on their crimes, their crime spree, and it's very, very. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's very. Don't go in with a full stomach, kind of thing. Like, yeah, uh, it's it's a very uh, strong film to watch. Um, 
I think a beautiful performance by Michael Rooker is like one of my favorite um, horror film performances ever. I think it's like the, the rare horror movie that feels like a, a like a character study, like an actor an actor's showcase. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting about that movie is Henry Lee Lucas is like a complete liar. He like yeah. he, he was just he was like a he was like a government inform or a, a, a police informant like during like this this mania of like serial killings when they're trying to like close up all these disappearances. And they would just go like, "This is, this is my incredibly unresearched um, recounting of this of this guy's life." But my understanding was like they would basically bring Henry out. Um, this guy, like uh, this kind of country bug guy, give him a chocolate milk. Be like, "Oh, do you remember this?" And like, just basically name uh, a missing person. And he would be like, yeah, we, we killed her X, Y, and Z. And he would just make up a bunch of shit so we can keep getting chocolate milk. Like, that's like, that's the, the, so like, I don't think this, like, none of the crimes, you know, in Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer have any real veracity to them because this guy wasn't, you know, I, he was a, a, a scumbag and a killer and, 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 and him and his compatriot were horrible, horrible um, criminals and horrible people. But the, the, like, the numbers associated with this guy and the fact that he was yeah. this insane criminal mastermind he wasn't he just was a guy that was already in jail was the the cops found a way to close cases pretty easily by bringing this mm-hmm. guy in and that was it like they like brought him on trips like so yeah. they could he could see crime scenes and stuff like that he kind of got he kind of used this as like a day pass yeah like confess to a bunch of crimes um so like it it makes henry such an interesting film knowing that like yeah. and it's like well we've built almost this myth around total bunkum but it's still a great affecting movie you know like mm-hmm. I mean, it's still like a, like it's still like i think of like the, the final there's a real real like uh almost twist and like heart wrencher of a final scene in that movie and i and it like i think of that all the time like i i haven't i haven't watched henry in a good long time but i think of the final like revelation of like the the kind of central almost love interest in the movie um mm-hmm. and it doesn't like to, to me it's like well the fact that it's completely fake or the fact that this guy's, you know, history was, is completely misreported and misrepresented by the film. Does that change what we think about the movie? Or does that change, like, even, like, you know, the truth of the movie? Like, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Real, to, to me, it doesn't. Um, and it doesn't make the... Because I don't believe the film's really that exploitive. I think it's a pretty sober-eyed and um, well-made film. Um, but again, it's that mileage is going to vary because it is... It is icky once you explain it like that. It is like exploitive once you explain it like that. Um, I, don't know. I just ramble here about Henry. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. But I feel like that's part of the true crime genre, just like getting into it and like, is this icky? Is this too much? Like, I don't know. There's not like an always yes or always no. Yeah. And it's where it and it's it is interesting where it where it, where it bumps up against horror because I think like like my own personal line. And it used to be, it used to be more defined. I think, I think when I was, I think when I was a teenager, when I was first going to like horathons, I feel like my, or, you know, horror cons, my, my, my line was more defined where I would go, we would go to like chiller theater and stuff and you'd go and you're, you're in the merch room. It's like, okay, there's like a bunch of like, oh, cool. Like Freddy's glove and like all these different like kind of toys, mm-hmm. like the McFarlane movie maniacs. And then you're like, oh, what are these bobbleheads over here? And you're like, oh, that one's Jeffrey Dahmer or that one's like the son of Sam. And I'm like, no, I don't want to, that's not cool. Like, I don't want to, you know what I mean? Like, I, like that, and then I feel like that, like that's, that used to be kind of a pretty easy to define line. And now, and now 
the fandom and thought about it has changed so much that I'm like, is like, is that even would would people even be as grossed out by that as I was walking around those Harkons then? Like, it's just it's just a, such a strange fandom, for lack of a better term, and the fact that it was, I felt weird being like, this is in a horror space. This, yeah, this is not that. I feel like and that's still my weird. line. No, and I, and I, yeah, and, but I but it's like, but then there's gradations of it and then there's like you know and then there's well i did listen to three audiobooks about charles manson uh like writing mm-hmm. this book and i'm like it doesn't make me a fan like it yeah. just makes me interested in that like and it's i just feel like it, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those genres you're always gonna be if you bet yeah if you <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> this episode is brought to you by fangoria the world's best horror and cult film magazine since 1979 Listeners can use code Books in the Freezer to get 20% off their order. That includes, of course, merchandise and first time subscriptions and single issues of the magazine. Not only are there tons of articles and interviews about upcoming horror movies, there's a regular segment by Stephen Graham Jones all about slashers called Slasher Nation. So you're going to want a copy. So again, that is code Books in the Freezer. And thank you, Fangoria, for supporting the show. Well, should we talk about some books? I would love to talk about books. I'll go first. I'll start with a book that came out this year. Um, this is Penance by Eliza Clark. I don't know if you read Boy Parts by her. I haven't. Which is interesting because that's also kind of like dark, like sociopathic POV. And this was like a completely different story that she should went I, with. Should I go Penance or should I go Boy Parts first? Ooh, I would say Boy Parts. Okay. okay. A big part of the book is written as essentially you are reading a true crime novel. I did this uh, on audio, okay. which was really fun because it was like, multiple narrators you know like that always adds a little oh it's money in the bank <laughs> yeah well and it's british so i'm like i need the accents the accents oh, do add a lot it adds it adds a sense british of place in print i can't do it i'm not good at it. so the murder um that this is about took place a decade ago in a british town called crow on sea and it was the murder of a 16 year old girl named joan wilson and it was a shocking death because she was set on fire on the beach and like left for dead by three other teenage girls who were her friends and then you know later that night they were just at a fast food restaurant like having a blast throwing fries at each other like nothing had happened um so this was a very violent and shocking crime that people were very drawn to and the coverage of it so it's like a decade later this disgraced journalist is taking on the the mantle and writing the definitive account of like what really happened he's going and getting the interviews with the girls and their parents and people in the community and it was just very interesting this was a big book about like what is the ethics of true crime and true crime journalism <laughs> um and like one of the girls was into true crime and so they're like, oh, obviously that was it. And then, you know, when you're in, when we're listening to her interviews, she's like, but I wasn't like one of those like school shooter fangirls. Like there's girls that idolize the Columbine killers. Like I'm not like that. And like, even within the community, this community is fractured into like, we don't associate with those people. Those people are bad. Like this is the line of what is acceptable and what is not. But like my interest in this was not like, it's just, it's wrestling with, a lot and it was really interesting and i think she did a good job of 
painting characters, you know, when other characters are talking about them, you're like, oh, this character sucks. But then, you know, you hear from them and you're like, oh, okay. I, okay, now they're a person. They have their own stuff they're bringing into this. This is creating like a full story. And then, yeah, getting to the end, I just thought it was a very interesting book in this like facsimile of like a true crime okay. story novel um, to talk about. Like, I think this is my next uh, audible credit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a it was And a you good recommend one. the audiobook? You, it was, it was, I did. Okay. I liked okay. it. Okay, good, good, good. Um, it's, it's how I read a lot of books now. It, it yeah. really is like it's 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 like I do, I do like arcs and like stuff stuff people send me uh, like before mm-hmm. bed on my Kindle. So it's like I, those you can't really have audiobooks yeah. for, but like almost everything like post because I'm like I have like a 15 year backlog now. I'm like okay, uh, <laughs> and it helps me go a lot faster <laughs> and does. be a better be a better literary citizen. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's also books that yeah I'll get arcs of and so i'll read digitally on my kindle and then everyone's like oh the audiobook for it was great i'm like i wish i would have done it yeah on yeah audio. it bums you out when you're like oh well i missed the boat on that one yeah <laughs> what was that um <laughs> tiffany d jackson's kind of carrie retelling oh, the, the weight yeah, of blood yep, everyone yep, said yep. like the audiobook was good and that was another like we're talking about like a true crime podcast that's like looking into this like prom thing that happened several years ago um and it's yeah, it's like guys, you can't not talk about. Yeah, that's it. what know, I mean. Like, even, it's even like in a carry rewrite, it's like, well, it was like a carry rewrite. Well, social media didn't podcast didn't exist for carry, but they do now. So you got to talk about it. It's what you, it's yeah. how you would frame that story. You know, it makes sense. I still haven't read Carrie, but I know it's epistolary, and you are reading like newspaper articles. So, so is there, that kind yeah, of yeah, that yeah, angle, yeah, right? Yeah. Oh, and like also in pedants, they talk about like. Uh, it's told that like there's tumblr posts there's like quotes there's podcast transcripts and there are like you know gross like true crime comedy podcasts mm-hmm. where they're like <laughs> cracking jokes about like these yeah. girls that committed this crime and so like just there's a lot of different angles that this is this is going at and examining in the in the true crime space um i would put it in the in the fridge like the crime itself is pretty horrific but i would say it's a bit more of like a character study you are kind of learning more about these people and this community and kind of like the whole of this this crime and its ripple effects in this in this community um so that was penance by eliza clark i i I, it's funny because i have ones that i like want to talk about more than others so did you read did you read uh whisper down the lane by yes. mcleod chaplin uh, chapman i think that's a I think that's a good example of kind of what we're talking yeah. about here, where it's like a purely like but it's, but, it's, but it's based on like it's like very closely based on a real thing yeah. like that this satanic panic abuse case in a in a preschool mm-hmm. um but the characters completely invented and like yeah. his role in it is invented and it's such an interesting version of what we're talking about here where yeah. it's almost it's not like a docudrama because you're so close with this character and like it does things with POV especially towards the end cuz it has like you know it has like a third act twist kind of thing where yeah. like but it but it doesn't it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like documentary it doesn't feel like you're watching dateline when you're reading it it feel but it feels so it feels like you could almost learn about the case by by reading this book, which feels like a weird way to get your factual information, even though since it's, you know, since it's fictional, 
I, I just think it. I think there's a. I think there's a, a few novels that I've you know that I've read that are like this or deal with this. The idea of the satanic panic and st- stuff stuff around that time. Yeah. Like we were we we were we were so close when we were talking about um, the uh, the Eliza Clark book to talk about like the West Memphis Three kind of thing. Like yeah. like it's, it's very like this this is very similar to that. And there have been books that are you know th- like talking about like the Slenderman case or like the, like yeah. and, and talking about them. And I, I thought this was like, this was the best one of those, the best one of the modern ones that I can think of, or at least that I've read. I'm not, I'm, I'm underread, which is what like, I feel. I find myself going on podcasts and I feel like, it's funny because I, I even do like, I do like book recommendation content, but I, I find myself constantly apologizing. Being like, I'm underread because I think that's what TikTok does to you. I think yeah. you go on TikTok and you see people being like, here's my, my stack for this month. And it's like yeah. this big. And I'm like, I, I haven't read that many books this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, you know, it, I think there's like a, it's like, it always goes with like any kind of recommendation like this always comes with the, 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 the caveat of like that I've read. Yeah. <laughs> there's just so much out there though. Yeah. Yeah, but I really like that book. I think I, I, bl- I talk about, I blurbed that one. I think I'm, I think I'm a blurb about a confident happy blurber <laughs> so no and no fridge on that one like i don't think that's like that's not like the scary like it's like scary in a way scary in a way of like almost like salem witch trialy like i didn't do something i'm being accused of something i yeah. didn't do kind of like that kind of like and it has with that it has like some like reliable unreliable narrator stuff not to like don't yeah. want to spoil it too hard because it's not in the way you think it is but like yeah it d- didn't strike me that way and it didn't mm-hmm. it almost didn't like it's almost to the point where not that it's not to be like, oh, it's not scary. Like, cause I don't think that's to me, that's mm-hmm. nowhere near the, the demarcation of like a, a quality horror book, yeah. but almost to the point where it didn't feel like horror to me because it felt so much like true, like a true crime book. I'm like, this walks the line of like not even feeling like a horror novel. Um, yeah. I will say my one book that is based on a crime. I'm still iffy on the, ethical nature of it so we will talk about it <laughs> oh let's talk about it <laughs> that should be your next one <laughs> okay it is darling rose gold by stephanie Robel, and this is based on the gypsy rose blanchard case which i don't know if you're familiar why do i um, know that name gypsy rose blanchard why do i know um, like, she like- was like they they did that Hulu series, The Act, with um Joey. Oh, King. okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. The like Munch House um, is my proxy. Like, yes. yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. This and okay, like the name, her name in the book is like Rose Gold Platt or um, yeah, Rose Gold Watts and Patty Watts, which is very similar. Like, yeah, it's, it's clearly the like they're analogous. Yeah, <laughs> but this posits a reality where gypsy or sorry rose gold testified against her mom and turned her in like and she went to prison so she's live in this in this story and she is getting out of prison but she has alienated everyone in her life so the only person that is willing to take her in is her daughter that turned her in and it is this very tense like cat and mouse like she's like oh, no, I'm fine. I totally forgive you for what you did. I understand. And then you get into the other girl, you know, Rose Gold's POV, and she's like, I know she she settles scores, and I've been waiting for my moment. So it's like, it's like a, was it's it a like good a, Was it a good yeah. tense thriller? It was. Was I questioning the ethics of it kind of the whole time? Yes. Podcast listeners can't see, but I'm making a face like, 
very intrigued by that. Like, yeah, I kind, I kind of like that. It's a kind yeah, of yeah. That's what I mean. A great it's premise. Like, it was it's, honestly, you know, and it's and it's and it's. There's been like revisionist history. Yeah, you know, books. There's been revision like uh, uh, Whisper Down the Lane. Kind of is like like. There's been revisionist history, like films for certain like 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 once upon a time in uh hollywood is a great example of like we've been mm-hmm. talking about manson but like there's this idea of like you could almost give a happy ending or you can give yeah. like a, you can give a like a victim centering ending to an alternate you know alternate universe like um is it it sounds on the line to me it sounds okay it is. <laughs> <laughs> i haven't read it <laughs> i'm ready to absolve them completely yeah i'm like saying did I like completely go through this book like it was a thriller I couldn't put down? Yes. <laughs> it had those like duo POVs. They're like playing off of each other, playing mind games with each other. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, but in in the real case, like this girl was being abused and she murdered her mom. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to separate that. This is a good one. This is a good one you brought up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. It's a messy, it's a messy muddled genre. <laughs> And I almost think that there's there's probably like because in, in horror there's all this taboo breaking and and yeah. and, and that's part of like it's, we've seen it we're on TikTok like there's this like you know the most disturbing books like that's the content that gets yeah. that gets the most views and stuff like that because people are seeking it out because people want to transgress and have that that taboo broken a little bit and I think that's it's part of the true crime appeal too and it's yeah. and it's that it's that it's it's always having that queasy feeling is like is is almost part and parcel with these these two genres so that's why they work together and you know um it's why i like when i'm like my wife uh, started uh started listening to influencer when it came out because she read the manuscript she hadn't listened to the thing she she read it kind of as a book and she was like she started it and she was like i think i'm gonna skip the first chapter (laughs) she's like literally immediately like i can't wait to listen and then she opens it up and she goes but you know what I might do? I might skip the first chapter. <laughs> like, like yeah. where I'm like, yeah, I'm completely fair. And I'm like, it's one of my few, it's the only book that I have that has, like right on the Audible page, has a content warning. And then and more, more power to them. Like we're going to add to it when the book comes out in paperback. We're probably going to actually add a couple things that I think they, they kind of missed um, because reviewers have brought them. Beware that there is true integration and there is like, things are going to make you feel uncomfortable in your by design but we don't want anyone feeling uncomfortable when they're not wanting to yeah. do that in their you know. yeah. it's funny um i know sarnia posted about it on instagram where she's like well, i was not expecting that and i i messaged her and i was like oh like i'm talking to him today and she's like yeah i put it on like you know as an audiobook like i'm just gonna do some work put this on in the background and she was like oh my god <laughs> Hey, I'm glad she's. I'm. I'm glad she said something. I'm glad because she tagged me in that, and I was like, I was like sharing it. But she was. I, I don't go to like, I don't seek out a ton of like reviewers and stuff like that. But yeah. it was like because of like we were talking about this idea of like disturbing. I was like, well, if I have any chance of getting in front of like disturbing TikTok, it's this book. Like it's like I, this is the only one that. And Sonia doth protest too much because that's how I pitched it to her. I was like. Hey, I don't know if you have Audible, but I can get you an Audible code if you if you want to listen to this. It's super fucked up. Was like how I like pitched it. So you okay. can't just be like okay. you can't be like, whoa, where did this come from? She didn't put it on thinking it was Clifford the Big Red Dog. Maybe, was, maybe she thought it was gonna build up to that. <laughs> yeah, well, like, oh. yeah. Or or she's like, Oh, it's the clown guy, this 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 loser. Like she's like <laughs> Or she's like <laughs> she's like, I, know I, teen I, I eat this stuff. Yeah, yeah, I ate this stuff for breakfast. What's he gonna yeah, what's he gonna pull out? <laughs> Told you. <laughs> I got two that um, I don't. I, I, 
you have such these like bulleted points and That's you're able to talk I about these. I'm talking I... about like I'm talking about books like I read in college. Like I can't even like so like I'll I'll do two at once and I think they're I think they're interesting companions. Um because I think one is one is uh, Zombie by Joyce Carol Oates, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Yeah. She's been in an interesting discussion uh, with this yeah. for pretty much her whole career, and especially once she started getting on Twitter and <laughs> she's <laughs> laying it down. <laughs> I love that like one of our most awarded like literary uh, figures is also just a shit poster. Like it's kind she's of funny. Like an unhinged Twitter presence. I. I I do think there's like a good level of performance. There. I, I think there's, I think there's, I think there's completely people that are the, this, the things they say on there, like should 100% be taken as like when people tell you who they are, believe them with her. I'm like, there's clearly a level of like, what she said, the thing about the skeletons about Halloween, she had like a, she like quote tweeted a picture of like Halloween decorations. She was like doing, going all Werner Herzog. I'm like, is this the death that you seek? Like, like stuff like that. Like, like, I think that's just, come on. She's shit posting. Like we have all been on the internet long enough to know she's like mess with you. But so you look at, you look at a book like zombie, which is based on Dahmer. Yes. Slim little novella. Like it's similar to that um, blonde, like the idea of like, yeah. like, like, Dealing with a real thing and dealing with it by calling it its name, but also like complete literary invention, like taking the wheel at at certain points. Um, and and where does that become? Where does literature slip into um, journalism in a way? And 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 and, and so I, I find that interesting, and I think that's like a it's that book. I'm trying to remember, like. Like I know it's like it gets talked about. We've 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 moved past it in the way that we talk about disturbing fiction and 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 and, and serial killer fiction. I feel like doesn't get talked about as much. But I remember when I was younger and seeking this stuff out, I remember getting that and being like, "Oh, it is." This is. I was like, I remember being like, "This is really smart," but also <laughs> this is really gross too. Like, and I think yeah. that's the you know. I think if you know enough about the Dahmer case, it's 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 pretty frank and it's and it's how yeah. it that. But I want to counter-program it with a Jack Ketchum book, which I think Jack Ketchum kind of did this all the time, where he took news items or like lesser-known true crime stories and then fic- completely fictionalized them. Like uh, the Girl Next Door is, is that mm-hmm. way. Um, and and my my favorite of Ketchum's books, Ketchum's books, is The Lost, because he kind of takes this. I forget even I forget even who it's really based on. It's based on a, a real life serial serial killer or like a, a spree killer. And um, it reminds me of uh, the Bogdanovich film Targets. It reminds me of this idea of like someone having like a entering like a berserker mode, like being a, a kind of unhinged person and and, and going on a, a killing spree. But it's it, because I think there's a certain amount of he was writing at the time of like Ed Lee and Richard Lehman and all these guys and that the, the, the leisure paperbacks kind of thing, and where it was like almost trying to outdo the other guy, and like in terms of like gross out and stuff like that. And I think. The reason that I'm attracted more to the Ketchum side of things is because there's a certain amount of like responsibility, and it's like, well, the loss refers to the the generation of kids that were, I forget, I feel terrible at American history here. So it's like too too uh too young for World War Two, too too old for Vietnam or whatever. Like so, so they missed out. They was like a, or, mm-hmm. or Korea between Korea and Vietnam, like a, a gap of like angry young men that were gonna go bring a war somewhere but kept it home and there's this there's such an interesting kind of um 
the way I feel like other authors of the time would write about like almost a coming of age or like a, a looking back at a certain time yeah. period with like rose colored glasses, looking at it being like, oh, this has all the kind of almost like doo-wop nostalgia of something like that of like 60s, you know, pompadour hairstyles. But terrible stuff was happening then too. Um, it, it, so I find that a very interesting way into writing horror books. And I think he made a career of it. Um, I only knew about the girl next door being based on a true crime case. I didn't know that was kind of his lane or his niche. Cause I think, I think Joyride is too. And I know yeah. species is. So there's like, there's, there's a bunch that there's a bunch that, that fit, even if they're not like the, the big, big ones. Cause like, I don't like reds, like a pure invention. That's not like a, you know, like, so, and, 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 um, off season most famously is like, is one of those like kind of like Texas Chainsaw ones where it's like, Oh, it's based on the Sawney bean clan, which is the same thing that the Hills have eyes is based on like this, you know, this family that lived in the Scottish highlands and was all inbred and was cannibalizing people that they came across on the road. Like it's like, well, that's not really the off season. Like, um, so like you could almost count that one too. Um, and again, I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about my butt because like I, I, I did zero research and I was like, I kind of remember that that the loss is based, but I think it is based on it's based on a real case. It's based on a real, at least, series of killings. <laughs> That's who you want on your podcast: someone who is just openly admitting they they didn't research. <laughs> I, I, the last episode I did, I'm like, I was going to include this, but I don't even remember what happens. This is what the premise was, though. I don't even remember. I remember it being good? Question mark. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I just I feel like I did you one better, not uh, not knowing what order the Amer the major American wars went in or what year, <laughs> year. Which on a good day I do know, but I'm a recent dad. We talked about this. Yeah. I had baby brain. Well, I'm gonna talk about kind of the first book that brought to mind this kind of fictional true crime genre, and that is Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. Um I know the sequel to it came out this year. I think it's called Beyond the Boogeyman. I've not read it yet, but I do have it on my shelf. So it's this very meta story. It's kind of written as a memoir where like Richard Chismar himself is a character writing as himself, like about this period in his life um, after he graduated from college and like came back to his hometown getting ready, you know, to get married. And there was a slew of murders, like missing girls would turn up dead and his you know, fascination with the case and with, um, you know, the FBI's angle on this and their theories and also like how it affected, you know, his everyday life, how it affected the community. You know, there was a curfew put in. There was this like neighborhood watch set up. And I loved that it was yeah, written as this kind of like memoir style. And I did Google like several times. I'm like, is this really? <laughs> is this fiction? Because it's written just very... You know, if you wouldn't look at the authors, the authors notice at the very end where it's like, this is what was real. This is what <laughs> you're like, wait, what is real? Is this real? I mean, that is his name. I think that's where he's from. Like, what part of this is? <laughs> Dude loves Maryland. It's got to be real. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the authors are talking about, you know, like there was a serial killer around this time. And, you know, it did looking back, you know, it did affect me. And, you know just writing this is that I thought it was just very interesting and I think a book that needed to be talked about if we're talking about like the true crime horror especially this like meta angle 
Um, that is Chasing the Boogeyman by Richard Chismar. I'm so interested in the sequel. I, like when I saw the sequel, that I almost thought it was like a, I was like, oh, are they re-releasing it? Like because yeah. the name's so similar. And I'm like, oh, you like wrote a sequel that it was very, very interesting. He's, he's had such an interesting career. Like I feel like from Cemetery Dance on to the King collaborations on to yeah, yeah very interesting. I've never actually met him. I've been like in the room with him a few times. I've yeah. Never, like, gone up and I'm like, hi. Like it just it just happens sometimes. We're just like not starstruck, but I'm like, ah, he doesn't want to get by. But <laughs> <laughs> I felt that uh, Stoker Con was here in oh, oh, yeah. Pittsburgh. Were you here? No. No. I no, wish okay. I was. I wish I'd gone out because like Cause it, it, Philly, was, right? it was the, it was the Taylor Swift thing. It was like the yeah. It's because you're in Philly. Right? I was in Philly. I'm in Philly. Like, but that's like not that. Like, I've gone further to go to Stoker Cons, you know. Like, mm-hmm. um, but it was that you were counter programmed with Taylor Swift. And yeah. No one could get a hotel room and stuff. It was oh like, yeah. It was. It was one of those things where I like was like maybe next time. Uh, maybe it'll be closer next time. How did you have fun? Yeah. <laughs> but I saw like Paul Tremblay in the lobby, and I'm like, I've talked to him like three times, but I like I've had him on the podcast, but I can't go up and say hi to him. You didn't say hi. <laughs> no, I didn't. I like. Oh, he's got, such I, chick- I chickened out. I know. <laughs> I was like, no. He's such a sweetie, and he would have loved. He would have been like, even like Stephanie talking to me at it. Like he would have. Like he would have loved to like. Not now. I'm like now. I'm talking at school, but I think he would have. <laughs> I always like underestimate though. Like I came on and I was like, you know, like I don't know if you remember, you were on several years ago. He's like, yeah, I I remember. Like, hi, Stephanie. And I'm like, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I hope that I I would hope they remember. Spend an hour being like, oh, we're in a Zoom meeting. Like I would, I would one would hope. Yeah. <laughs> no, he seemed nice. No. I just had like immediate like social anxiety. I'm like, I can't, I can't go say hi to him. Yes, those things are the worst. And it's also like it, it's I don't know if your social anxiety is like my social anxiety, but it's like. If you if it starts if the train starts moving it's like fuck like I can't now I can't talk to anyone and now I can't string any kind of sentences together and then if then if people come over to me it's like well this this conversation is gonna be a train wreck <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not at my best right yeah, now yeah, yeah and then you have the, like the idea of like the FOMO of like well I can't just go back up to the hotel room because like I paid to be here and like mm-hmm. is every time is money at this point so you get like standing there just roughing it out in the <laughs> room party. Yeah, just a warm Miller light. <laughs> uh, next year, I'm hopefully flying out and staying in a hotel because I had to commute, so I also had to like leave early to be. How much of Taylor a drive Swift. was it for you? Not like thirty minutes. Oh, yeah. I was just like I had to leave before the Taylor Swift traffic, so I couldn't well, stay true, yeah. too long at any place. Where is it this year? Where is it? San Diego. I did know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it's a maybe. Yeah. I'm gonna go yeah. Sounds, that's an easy place to fly into too yeah because sometimes they're like all right well it's on the top of a mountain in Colorado. And like oh well, i can't i'm not gonna take it's right by the airport too planes, like it's only that, yeah, the it's, hotel is like 15 minutes away yeah, from the airport which is yeah it's, it's san diego's nice. a hub but it's easy to fly it's do you have one more pick did you want to do helter oh no skelter? i i i just had i had helter skelter on there but i like we we kind of already talked about it okay. so okay. i mean I'm, yeah. I'm tapped on my on my okay. books on my book knowledge <laughs> i feel like well there was a lot that i feel like could fit um especially in ya like i was saying i was saying earlier like there's so much of this like acknowledgement of like yeah. true crime as a like sadie i think was i heard that in like 2018 i want to say but that was one of the very first like doing an audio like true crime podcast chapter thing like i remember that being kind of like a big deal it's it appeals to teens and teens yeah. you know it's heads partly teens are into it and it's just like it's it's a more youthful medium so it's like 
mm-hmm. of course it's gonna and there is that why is so interesting too because why why horror is such an interesting space because a lot of it it's it's very slipstream with thriller and it's very strips slipstream yeah. with, like it's i think you can i think it's easier to sell a YA horror book if you can if you can kind of be like well it's gonna cross these demographics because mm-hmm. the 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 common knowledge in 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 publishing which common knowledge in publishing is almost always 15 years out of date and these people love repeating it um <laughs> but uh, the common knowledge in publishing when we were putting Clown in the Cornfield out. Why horror? Good luck, buddy. Um, but hey, it's people like it. Yeah. <laughs> Kids like it. I've I taught I taught high school for I taught high school English for five years. I know that they love murder. I I know that about children. <laughs> <laughs> the children love the murder. Yeah. <laughs> can't get enough. Can't. Uh, my other pick I was gonna do, so I'll just kind of tack on here is kind of the whole six stories series by matt wiselowski he's a british author um and these are also really good as audiobooks but they are essentially podcast transcripts like the narrator is a podcast host and the setup is six stories so he takes a case and interviews six different people in different angles about this case and i love these books i think they're a little more in the thriller space but i think there's a few that definitely cross over are they ya i'm not familiar no okay Okay. like my favorite one is the second one which is hydra which is this case of this girl arla mcleod who bludgeoned her family to death i think all of his books kind of go into like oh but people said like she was into like this dark music and oh she was on vacation with her family and someone said she played this like elevator game and you know and she went to like the space where you're not supposed to go and opened her eyes and saw something and really like deconstructing it and getting all of these different perspectives and putting this together i mean i would say as someone who likes crime novels the appeal of a crime novel is that the the crazy premise that's promised at the beginning is going to make sense at the end there's going to be like some sense mm. of justice either there's like a motive or a reason or like someone is being punished that is the difference that's the that's the <laughs> pact you make with the reader like this will make sense or are you just like no it doesn't have to be it's just, it's just yeah <laughs> it is and i would say even in a lot of crime novels where there's not necessarily justice where like the person goes free at least there's a why yeah like at least the killer says like and i did do that and there's nothing you can do about it, you know? It's why Law and Order has been on for yeah. 18 bajillion years with all these different, like, because there's, there's, that, is that, is there, there's a comfort in there is. closure, at least, closure, at least of the how. Like, yeah, and then, yeah. your brain wants that. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is, that yeah, is no, the fact like, that is made. Um, and yeah, horror is here to challenge that sometimes, to push on those boundaries and be like, sometimes you don't get it. That's what it is. <laughs> One of the traditions we have on the show is to ask well our guests... <laughs> For a chilling obsession. So, what is something in horror you've been enjoying lately? Here's a here's a here's here's a, a good one because it's not really in horror. Um, because I've been so inundated with horror that I've been reaching outside of the genre and I've been reaching kind of towards comfort stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was I debated whether or not I was just going to make up something cool um, and say that instead. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to be real with Stephanie and your listeners. I'm going to tell her what my actual chilling obsession has been. And, and people who follow me on Twitter know that that I I, I love uh, classic Doctor Who. I love uh, uh, pre 
uh, reboot Doctor Who, even though I like the I like New Who as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I really have been watching a lot of 60s, 70s, 80s uh, Doctor Who, and I think this connects because every like literally like every every serial has some horror element to it, which I think is like is is always. The way people tell are you a Doctor Who? Are you a Whovian? Do you know Doctor Who at all? I've watched the reboot. Like, I've watched a few seasons of the reboot. I think, um, I don't think I watched past, I don't think I watched past, like, uh, Matt Smith. Movies. Then you yeah. know plenty. It, yeah. You know everything that you need to know. <laughs> everything in that show that was CGI is paper mache, and that's exactly, the, it's exactly the same. It's, it's, it's the exact same show. So, like, but the... You know, the thing that I've been like kind of latching onto it when I'm watching these is like there's always some some horror element. It was, you know, the, the like the the BBC always pitched it as like, oh, kids hiding behind the sofa kind of, you know, younger. You know, it started off as a children's show and it became last of a children's mm-hmm. show. And then, it you know, it's vacillated throughout the literal decades. Um, there's always just something cool. There's always some kind of little bit of you know, uh, makeshift body horror or some kind of creature or something exploding, even just like a special effect of like exploding like a Dalek's like head with like a laser beam is always just, there's just something tactile and cool about, and that's kind of, that really is to me the dividing line between this and New Who is that idea of like what you would have done with early 2000 CGI in, in like the David Tennant years, you, you had to do with like weird uh television camera optical effects and like and 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 like and paper mache um in the in in the classic who i think that's where i mm-hmm. it's where my aesthetic goes um but i i i just that's been my chilling obsession in that in that i like i'm horror 24 7 i'm so i'm like on multiple deadlines and finishing yeah. like these Influence is a pretty hardcore book. It was a little draining. And then yeah. I, we, we are going to have a um, paperback version of it. So it's I've, I've been going back. Like I had to like, it's a weird thing to be like, oh, the book's done. And then be like, well, no, now you got to do the other version of the book. So it's like, I've been going, like I've been living with it for a while. So I'm like, you know, this is pretty heavy. Doctor Who. <laughs> like, you know, like that's, that's, and, and then you still get these little morsels of like monster kid stuff and like, and, and, um and weird like again like a guy's hand turning into like green uh what's it called the bubble wrap like they just spray paint a bubble wrap green and like wraps his hand around it and he's like he's turning into slime i love that i just love that so that's that's been my chilling obsession i love that um i know my husband and i have been making our way through better call saul for what seems like forever um but it's just some nights we are so tired and i'm like it's a dark show sometimes I just, I just don't want a dark show. So then we watched the new season of Big Mouth instead. But now we're back to better. You're back, to, you're back to just stress. You're like, okay, let's grind our teeth before bed. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? What is it? It's almost doing? hard. It's almost hard. It's like that horror of like, of like crime, irony yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Self sabotaging characters and all kinds of stuff. Um, but our other tradition on this podcast is to ask our guests for a final girl song. Okay. I last time I did the podcast, there was no Google Doc. I was not prepared. <laughs> and I named a, a Taylor Swift song as my final girl song because I panicked. And it was now, a good choice. Thank you. But now I now I have a very topical song. Um and I, I like I literally just recently learned how to uh I, I've been listening to Sufjan Stevens um uh, for 
you know, since since Illinois came out or whenever I forget which of the two, Michigan or Illinois was the first one. Um, but whenever uh, that came out, it was in, I was in high school. Um, I, I I loved his music then. I haven't really thought about it in a while. But then I was like, I have to think of a song that relates to this topic, and I immediately thought of uh, John Wayne Gacy Jr. doing yeah. uh, the the Sister Jan Stevens song, which is very creepy. Yeah. Um, and very uh, true crimey. It's like yes. very like the lyrics are 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 uh, poetic, but they're they're very explicit and true to life and like tell you about this guy's him getting a blow to the head as a kid like they're like here's how he's a serial killer and here's what his crimes were like very much on on brand for this yeah uh, for this episode definitely fits the theme it's like that creepy folky <laughs> could you put a bit you put him in a pot you put you put him in a playlist right yes okay good now so everyone's gonna be... have to listen to... <laughs> <laughs> underneath the floorboards yeah so, yeah <laughs> i was trying to remember i'm like it's underneath the floorboards. Yeah. well thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to me about influencer and true crime horror thank you for having me Steph. where can people find you online if you if adam caesar's because it sounds like the salad but if you just look down at your whatever you're playing this podcast on it's spelled there correctly um just type that in i've got a website i've got i've got a twitter i've got instagram i've got a facebook page that is mostly just the instagram which is what cross posts on instagram yeah. uh and and i have many authors do not because they're not brave enough but i have a tiktok and i i'm a 35 year old man who is just like tiktok in a way yeah. he loves it i actually really i actually really really like the platform yeah. they, you know what screw that i i, I take that back i don't want to be shamed into it. i like i enjoy posting content on tiktok i think it's fun it's like actually a bright spot of my day yeah, yeah. it is People, fun well, like, you, can be, you can be you can be silly yeah. you can post yeah, like great. dumb bracket filters like it's just the, you made me laugh out loud like two days ago with the book lice one where you like quote, you like stitched the the video yeah. and you're like that's what the freezer like i thought that was the funniest thing i don't know I, it like made me guffaw so you know what i don't know i think there's like i think there's a lot of middle-aged writers who are like i can't do this and they like I, try to make you feel bad about it they're like i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm projecting but i love it i actually think it's great i think it's a super fun thing it is super fun. You know what? I have a fear of book lice now. Now I'm like looking at my bookshelf. I'm like, which ones did I buy used? Like, I, they would have is been that an issue fish? by now. Is that what book lice are? I don't so, know. Are book lice silverfished? Is that the same I'm thing? I'm sure there are librarians listening to this that deal with this and they them? know. They know what it is. So. <laughs> They're like, Please they come. Know. We got to tell them. <laughs> well, I know I had like librarian friends comment on that post because I posted it on Instagram too. And they were like, yeah, like as librarians, you have to get rid of stuff sometimes. Like, there's. <laughs> I love I love that I'm like here here I'm here I'm here apologizing for like the ages biased of like oh no I love TikTok and then you immediately you were like they didn't see it on TikTok but all these old fogey librarians saw it when I posted it on Instagram two days later Johnny come lately's goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> on tiktok everyone was just like excuse me i'm what kidding I'm, I'm, i know I, I'm, I'm 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 joking i just i found that funny <laughs> and I'm, I'm just i'm just i'm just roasting you now i'm not even I'm, there's no reason for me to come that hard <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. all right well thank you again thank you it was great thank you for uh having me 
Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Instagram and threads at Books in the Freezer and TikTok as well as Books in the Freezer. Or you can send us an email at booksinthefreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com where you will find a list of all the books mentioned. Also, I wanted to add that when I was recording this episode, I had just started reading the YA thriller from this year, Only She Came Back by Marco Harrison, which would have fit into this episode as well as a pick. But I wanted to point out that Margot Harrison wrote an article about uh, fiction being inspired by true crime. So I just wanted to add that in there. I will link it in the show notes if you want to go check it out, but obviously relevant to this conversation. If you would like to support the podcast, first of all, thank you so much. Um, and information on that can be found in the show notes. There are affiliate links, there are links to merch, and a link to the Patreon. Uh, the Patreon has three levels, a one, three, and a $5 level with different perks at each level ranging from like early episode releases, group chats, movie nights, bonus content. Like this month, I did a gift guide um, and I did an episode, it was just like me talking um, about Thanksgiving horror movies and like horror stuff related to that. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. If you would like to show your support for the podcast without spending any money, there are a lot of ways to do that. Sharing the podcast on social media or leaving a review on a site like Apple Podcasts helps as well. So thank you so much to all of you who have taken the time to do that. I'm Stephanie Ganya. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. Thank you.